0: Some people are bitter. Life has been so unfair to them, they say. Uh, they blame other people for their problems. Now most of us are pretty good at blame. We say, "What happened is your fault." Here we go. The misery in my life is your fault. You may not be a believer because you can't believe God would have allowed somebody to hurt you so much the way they did. The problem with blaming other people is it doesn't solve our problems. It makes us feel like victims and like there's nothing we can do to better our situation. Uh, This is the third in a series of messages called From Bitter to Better, Choosing to Forgive. I started this like six weeks ago and gave a couple messages and then I went away four weeks for uh, study leave Uh, and then these next two weeks I want to finish it up. Uh, You and I know people who are imprisoned uh, to bitterness. Uh, If you think this message would help them, send them the link uh, to this. Here's the main thing I want to say today. Forgiveness is easier when you monitor what you think about. Uh, Whether you're a teenager or in your 90s, forgiveness is easier when you monitor what you think about. Uh, Some people say, I can't forgive. It's just too hard. I think one of the reasons you may think you can't forgive is because you might have misconceptions about what forgiveness entails. So I want to share uh, some of those with you. But first, let's get a definition of what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is a willingness to abandon one's right to resentment, negative judgment, and indifferent behavior toward one who unjustly hurt us while fostering the undeserved qualities of compassion, generosity, and even love toward him or her. It's a choice to give up your anger, bitterness toward someone who hurt you in spite of the hurtful things they did or said. Now, one of the reasons we have a hard time forgiving is we might have some misconceptions about what forgiveness entails. So let me share five. One, forgiveness happens completely and all at once. I mean, it's unrealistic to think that you can forgive and never again over the course of your life will you pull off the scab to that wound. Uh, Forgiveness is usually more like a process. You might be able to forgive 25% today, or maybe 50 percent, and then more in the weeks ahead. A second misconception: forgiveness means that what the other person did was fine. You say, "I can't forgive. That's like telling the, the other person that you're you know they're off the hook. I'm not going to let them off that easily. That's like saying that what they did was just okay. It's not. You can forgive someone and maintain your position that what they did was wrong. But forgiveness is a choice to release the person that has wounded you from your sentence of judgment. Three, when you forgive, you forget the injury. That's highly unlikely. God has given us strong minds. Our minds are like computers. We don't forget anything. But there are two different ways to remember. One is to remember in such a way that what someone did to you keeps eating away at you. The other way is to say, yes, it happened, but I've forgiven and it no longer affects me. I'm not emotionally shackled by it. For example, if your spouse had an affair, you can forgive, but years from now, you'll still be able to remember the terrible details, but forgiveness is a choice to stop obsessing about that hurtful memory. No longer be filled with bitterness. A fourth misconception is forgiveness brings about reconciliation. Sometimes forgiveness does, but there's no guarantee. You could forgive someone, but they could decide they're not going to forgive you. Or you could forgive someone, but you could say, you know, I don't think I'm going to make them my best friend again. I think I'll just steer clear. Uh, Forgiveness only requires one person. Reconciliation requires two people. A fifth misconception is forgiveness cancels consequences. Forgiveness never cancels the laws of choices and consequences. Suppose a person goes to a bar, gets drunk gets behind the wheel of their car, and they drive into your car and kill one of your family members. You can forgive them, but it's not going to cancel the consequence that they killed one of your family members. They still will have to pay money, maybe do time in jail, lose their license. Forgiveness just changes what you think about. You can give up your desire for revenge. Our counselor in this series is the Old Testament character Joseph. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis 41. So far we've seen that Joseph had every reason to be bitter. When he was 17, his brothers sold him to Egypt in a caravan going to Egypt, and there he became a slave served there a number of years, and uh, Potiphar was his slave owner, and uh, his wife was attracted to Joseph, and every day she would say to him, come sleep with me, but he refused her advances, and finally she was frustrated, and so she got angry with him, and she had his coat, and she said, look, he sexually harassed me, and her husband, without checking out her story, threw him in prison. So there he served a number of years in prison and one day uh, 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 the, the king's cupbearer had a dream and the king's uh, uh, baker had a dream and, and Joseph interpreted the dreams for them. And uh, three days later they both came true just the way he said they would. And Joseph said to the cupbearer, when, it, when you get restored to your position with, the, with Pharaoh, Put in a good word for me so I can get out of this prison. But the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And so he languished in prison two more years. But it doesn't appear that all this time that Joseph was stewing about the wrongs that had been done to him. Winston Churchill said, If you're going through hell, keep on going. And that appears to be what Joseph did. Bad things happened to him, but he kept on going. He kept on trying to make the best of his situation. So let's pick up the story in Genesis 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when, out of the river. There came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they gazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Well, then his cupbearer said, oh! I just remembered when I was in prison, a man, I had a dream and a man interpreted my dream and it turned out just the way he said it would. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph gives all the credit to God. He says, I can't interpret your dream, but God can. He's not a braggart like he was 17 years earlier, or actually this is 20 years earlier. So then Pharaoh uh, goes on. So Pharaoh, in my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless head of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. Because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come up upon Egypt so that the country will not be ruined by the famine. Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph that on the spot, he named him number two in command in Egypt. And so Joseph was given the assignment of figuring out how to manage the seven years of plenty so that he would have enough grain stored up to get them through the seven years of famine. He put his signet ring on Joseph. He got a, a wardrobe to look like Pharaoh. And he was even given a company car. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into the service of Pharaoh. Now we're going to find out what Joseph was thinking about during his 13 years when he was a slave and in prison. He was elevated to the second most important position in Egypt. If he was bitter and had spent his time thinking about how he was going to get even with those who had wronged him, now he will have every opportunity to do so. When the years of famine began, people from countries all around Egypt began to come to Egypt to get food. And Joseph's ten older brothers came. They stood before him. They didn't recognize him. He looks like Pharaoh... But Joseph recognized them. The last time he saw their faces, he was in a pit looking up at them. Last time he heard their voices, they were laughing down at him, calling him a dreamer. Now is his chance to get even. Joseph has all the power in the world. Because he rules over Egypt. But also because he's the injured party. In relationships, it's always the injured party that has the power. One snap of the fingers and his brothers will be dead. Or he could slap manacles on their wrists and their ankles. Let them find out what an Egyptian dungeon is like. Let them sleep in the mud. Mop floors. Revenge is within Joseph's power. There's intoxicating power to revenge. The injured party can also forgive. And it appears that that that's what Joseph chose to do. But before he he shows them forgiveness, he's going to test them. He says to them, You guys are spies. You're not here just to buy food. They say, No, 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 no. We just came to buy grain. So he asks them questions to learn, and and he learns that his father is still alive. He learns that his younger brother, Benjamin, is doing well. Remember, Joseph and Benjamin have the same mother, Rachel. So this is his closest brother. So to test them, he says, I'm going to hold one of you captive here in prison, and you go back and you bring your younger brother, Benjamin. He says, I will not see you again unless you bring him. He's going to find out if they're going to sell out Benjamin just like they did to him. Or if they've really changed, if they've repented and changed their way, so that the process of forgiveness and reconciliation can really happen. How did Joseph forgive those who had hurt him? How did he go from bitter to better? A lot of it has to do with what we think about. Forgiveness is easier when you monitor what you think about. None of us can control the things that happen to us. All of us will have things done wrong to us. But we always retain the power to decide how we will respond. When our daughter Erica was eight months old, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Jory was the one that took her to the doctor's appointment, and Jory was devastated. She came home with Erica and shared with the rest of us. Remember, Erica has eight older brothers and sisters. We were all crushed. But right from the beginning, Jory set the tone. She never complained or was bitter about Erica's situation, that that her arms and hands didn't work so well, her throat didn't work so well, so it's hard for her to speak. Instead, I've heard her through the 18 years say, why does mommy love you so much, Erica? Why are you so wonderful? And we all took our cue from her. None of us have sat around complaining about Erica's condition. We just love her and see her as a gift from God. We all choose what we think about. We can forgive or be bitter. You can forgive easier if you watch three things that you think about. One, think about the injustice from the other person's perspective. Typically, when someone does wrong to us, we think about, you know, how, how badly we feel. How unfair it's been to us. But instead, think about it from the other person's perspective. Why did they say what they said? Why did they do what they do? I told you a few weeks ago, don't think of the other person as being 100% evil. Think of them as being maybe 75% evil or 50% evil. That allows you to see that maybe you had a part in the conflict. And then maybe you can understand why they did what they did. Two, think about the injustice in relationship to all God has forgiven you. I think Joseph realized that he had a part in the conflict with his brothers They hated him. Why? Because he danced around in this robe that his dad had given him that showed that his dad loved him more than them. And he told them about this dream he had where he he saw them bowing down to him. He should have kept that to himself. He was a brat. And he had to ask God to forgive him for that. Jesus talks about forgiveness a lot, and he says, we've all been forgiven a whole lot. And so we ought to be able to forgive others a whole lot. In 2006, a lone man took uh, 10 girls, ages 6 to 13, hostage in an Amish schoolhouse. It ended with him killing five of the girls and then killing himself. But the Amish people shocked the nation when they forgave the man. They went to his funeral and sympathized with his traumatized family. And the five that lost their girls forgave him as well. How could the Amish people do that? It's because they realized how gracious God had been with them. When someone has offended us, instead of thinking about how they mistreated us, think about ways we've sinned against God. Keep in in mind the many ways we've disappointed other people. You say, but how do I stop thinking about how other people have hurt me? I just can't get it out of my mind. We don't change what we think about by not thinking about something. So, Jacob, uh, come on up here. So, this is Jacob Galbraith, and uh, Jacob uh, graduated from uh, Century High School this year, and then uh, he's going away to Whitworth College, right? Are you guys going to have open classes? Uh, Some will be online, some will be there. But you're going to Spokane. All right. So, do you like uh, pickles? Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. Okay, well, anyway, here you go. So take a nice bite of a uh, pickle. Nice and tart, and I uh, can feel that. Do you, do you like hamburgers? Do you see hamburgers? Think about, think about it that way. A sliced pickle on your hamburger and how good that tastes. And uh, Now, stop thinking about the dill pickle, okay? I don't think so. I think you're still tasting it. All right, let me help you out. So, uh, here, you can just let that go. All right, so I have here some uh, red grapes. You like grapes? All right. All right, so there you go. Take them, eat them, and... uh, Yeah. Oh, come on, you can do more than that. I should have taken them off for you. Made it easier. All right, now... I'm guessing you're not thinking about the pickle anymore, right? You're thinking about the grapes, right? Yeah, all right. I bought them myself. (laughs) All right. So I just proved that you can change what you think about. You don't change by saying, I'm not going to think about pickle. You change by switching over and eating grapes, and then you think about grapes. All right? Mm -hmm. Thank you for helping us today, Jacob. Give me a hand, the few of you that are here. By the way, we invite any of you that want to come at uh, 1045 on Sundays to come. We don't have that many of us here, but we could, we could handle a lot more than we have. So if you want to change what you think about and not be bitter, not be obsessing about wanting to get revenge on somebody, change the channel in your mind to thinking about how much God has forgiven you. All the things you've done wrong. And how he's been gracious with you. And then it makes it a whole lot easier for you to forgive someone else. Three, think about the injustice from God's perspective. Now, this is the last thing I want to share with you today. And if you only get one thing out of my message, make it this one. How did Joseph forgive his brothers and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar and the uh, cupbearer? He did it by thinking about it through God's perspective. He believed that God had led him to Egypt. So that he could take his position and save his family from the famine. He tells his brothers what he thought. I'm waiting, Pat. And now, do not be distressed... And do not be angry for yourselves. His brothers are in front of him. They're kneeled down. (coughs) Begging for his forgiveness. For selling me here. Because it was to save lives. That God. Sent me ahead. Of you. So then. It was not you. Who sent me here. But God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. He believed that God sent him ahead to Egypt into slavery and into imprisonment so he could save his family from famine. I think Joseph also realized that God had used those 13 years to make him into the man he'd become. How did Joseph, by the age of 30, become so mature and wise that he could become the second most powerful person in the world and rule over Egypt? How he could use, uh, be smart enough to figure out how to use the seven years of abundance to store up so much food that they would have enough to get them through the famine? Did he go to an Ivy League school? No, God used his years as a slave and as a prisoner. He realized that God knew what he was doing. God couldn't get him to that position of power in Canaan. He had to go to Egypt. He couldn't get to that position by being a slave in Potiphar's house. He had to go down into Pharaoh's prison. When you look at your life from God's perspective, all the crummy things that have happened to you, the, the, the hurtful things that people have done, and you realize how God has used that to make you into the person you are, it's easier to forgive people. Forgiveness changes the way we think. Forgiveness is easier when you monitor what you think about. Forgiveness is easier when you think about the injustice done to you from the other person's perspective. Forgiveness is easier when you think about the injustice done to you from God's perspective. Forgiveness is easier when you think about the injustice done to you in relationship with all that God has forgiven you. Forgiveness is easier when you accept God's forgiveness and invite Christ into your life. And you can do that right now. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the example of Joseph. That he was able to forgive his brothers and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar and the cupbearer. Because he saw what you were doing in his life. That you were involved in all of that. Help us to do the same. I want to invite you right now to... Think about those who have hurt you and forgive them if you haven't done that. Tell God you want to forgive them today, you know, as much as you can. And view it through his perspective, what he's done with that in your life. If you've never committed your life to Christ, you can invite him into your life right now. You pray right now. Father, we've been hurt by people. People have said things that have been cruel, but we want to forgive them and draw on your strength and recognize how much you've forgiven us and look at your perspective, what you're doing in our lives through the things that have happened to us that have not been good. Thank you for this message today. In Jesus' name we pray.